Welcome to an ep interview episode of the SWW Show. I'm Mike. Today I have with me two gentlemen where their Discord images, I feel like it's not what they actually look like in real life. So I'm going to have them introduce themselves. Uh, so if you guys could both tell me who you both are, what you work on, maybe where you're from. Uh, well, I am uh, the lead designer on the game, uh, so I did built all of the assets and uh, kind of gave the game its general art direction that it, that it's going in. Yep. Hi, and I'm uh, Chris Herbison. I'm sort of the lead programmer. Uh, I've set up all of, uh, or sorry, majority of the scripts on the game, uh, as well as uh, helping to integrate with some of the components with Len, as well as our level designer and uh, some of the audio integration as well. Perfect. So yeah, so I don't know if I said the game, I want to make sure I get the name right, is Straylight. Is that how you guys are pronouncing it? Yes. That's correct. Perfect. I'm always, I'm always half concerned. I'm like, this feels like a simple name, which means I'm easily going to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. Uh, so why don't we start with um, Len, since I think you said you're the lead designer, if you want to give us the quick elevator pitch for the game. Who? Uh, so it's a... It's a VR platformer where the basis of the uh, the game is to get from the beginning to the end and try not to die on your way through. Um, that's pretty way of putting it. Uh, to elaborate on that, we uh, incorporate obstacles in your way. We throw uh, collector cubes in there for the co the completionists, and um, it's just a really pretty sci-fi landscape where you uh, your only goal is to not die. So I have to ask the obvious, immediate virtual reality question. You're doing a platformer in VR. How is everyone not getting motion sick? <laughs> well, that's, uh, I'm not sure if that's a trade secret. Chris, am I allowed to tell them? Here, I, I mean, I can take the lead on that as well. Uh, I mean, you're certainly uh, as much involved in uh, dealing with that as I am. But uh, yeah, so a lot of focus early on has been taken to try to minimize the amount of motion sickness and uh just general uncomfortable like uh feelings that you get from the nature of having a vr platformer especially one where you kind of move pretty fast in a lot of situations at least that's the idea is to kind of get a fluid quick movement um so i'll let len speak more to the visuals uh or how we, how we help that with the visuals but uh definitely just a lot of uh logic uh in the scripts and such to keep it so uh there's no jerky movement uh everything's smooth and you, you don't really uh, find yourself in a situation where you're out of control or uh, have a simulate or uh, have the simulation of falling, you know, about to smack into something or, or something like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, another thing that we kind of found out, which was pretty interesting uh, was initially we had uh, sort of our earlier levels had more space you could land on. So like safe areas uh, for difficulty reasons, uh, but we quickly learned that that actually increased the nausea that you get uh, because it gives you a more realistic sensation of being in this world and feeling like you're actually falling down. <laughs> um, uh, so, Len, uh, did you want to speak some more uh, visually? What, what sort of you've done to kind of get the 
minimalist abstract visuals of uh yeah sure so yeah. the uh what early on we realized that uh as long as we had a ground to get sick or we were going to almost fall over while we were playing the game and uh so first things first we removed the ground and then um you know, we figured out early on that we wanted to be a platformer and I was like, this is perfect. I'm going to build all these really cool platforms. And I just had tons and tons of platforms. And as we were play testing the game, everyone was like, well, that's great, but we hate the platforms, pull them out. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a platformer. We need platforms. So, uh, after, um, after realizing that they were right, I pulled everything. We just went to, uh, just open air in space. And then, uh, the, the, a really interesting thing happened with it where you, instead of feeling like you're flying through the level, which is, it's strange to say it that way because you still feel like you're flying through the level, but at the same time, your brain almost and lets you think that the level is also flying around you. So when you're pulling yourself through the level, there's almost the illusion that you're pulling the level or like past you instead of you pulling yourself through it. And I think that, um, only having the the nodes, uh, which are the anchor points that you grapple onto, and then the checkpoints, and then everything else is just huge. Like we have these massive monuments, so they don't really move a whole lot until you get close to them. And um, just not having a bunch of small objects just constantly giving you a frame of reference, just having minimalist small things, and then these massive things that don't move around all that much, uh, just really lends itself to... Um, negating the the motion sickness and it's been uh, one of the one of the biggest victories on the project we have people who will tell us that you know oh i can only play vr for for 10 15 minutes before i get motion sick I'm out of the game after 40 minutes ask them how they're doing and they didn't realize they'd been in there that long so which which i think immediately has to be some level of impressive because so like i do a lot of virtuality stuff and development or even experiencing it, and it's like i'm of the obviously more immune type where, like, I think the biggest comments are always when you get people who are new to virtuality who don't have any legs in there, and they go, oh, I walk out fine. Because mm-hmm. I think those are the people that you have to watch out for immediately. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, so I think looking at the game when I was first looking, experiences, I think one of the interesting things that you guys shook with was the art style, which I think I gotta say, it, one of you really likes the rings from Sonic or from Superman 64, <laughs> and I'm not sure which are more. <laughs> I was waiting for Superman 64 to come out of this. <laughs> but I'm Actually, fun. go on. Yeah. Uh, what what um what's funny is I didn't realize uh, where a lot of the art direction was coming from because you know classically when we first started out with it, I was thinking things like Tron and you know the color palette from um uh, what was that the the Far Cry spinoff the Blood, Blood Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just like that iconic, like over the top eighties. And then that's just not where the game was going and it started to evolve. But so I, you know, the purples and the blues and, you know, some, some deeper reds and and golds. And, um, but the, as far as the actual way that everything looks, uh, I realized that I I accidentally pulled a lot from one of my favorite games growing up, which was uh, Star Fox 64. So, uh, you know, the, the original Star Fox from the SNES and then Star Fox 64, they always had that that real blocky thing. And there were those levels where you just had to fly through the rings at super high speeds to try to get to the the, the warp jumps to jump levels and things. And um, and it wasn't until I was talking to a family member and they pointed that out to me that I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that probably is, 
you know, just it's it's funny looking back over my life and seeing the little influences that that manifested themselves in this game. Which which I I just again that's that's great. I just again look at that. I thought it was really funny. I'm like, okay, so you guys really like Neptune, obviously, and you really like Super Mario uh, that game. <laughs> so I think one of the interesting things of talking about when you have when, when you work on virtual reality games, like as a platform, is obviously there's this inherent limitation of like the audience out there in both how many you have and then the understanding they have of how to use the platform just natively. And I'm curious why you guys were running through testing. Um, and I, either you can answer this kind of like the problems you immediately had of like building just a platformer or an experience that people understand natively without handholding them for hours. Oh yeah, that's actually been uh, a huge hurdle with this project. Um, so, a lot of VR titles out there uh, tend to have uh, tools that you use as the player that are very intuitive. So, for example, I'll just take Super Hot VR as a random example. You have a gun. Uh, when there's a gun in your hand in a game, you pretty much know what you're going to do with it. Uh, with our game, it's a lot more abstract than that. Uh, I mean, grappling hooks have you know been in video games since forever, uh, but the specific way they work in our game isn't necessarily intuitive because a lot of it is focused around the hand motion. Uh, so one portion of that has been, uh, you know, explained to the player uh, just flat out, like how, how to use this, but that's obviously not optimal. Um, so uh, there's been things uh, both in the way we're handling audio, which is actually still in progress uh, to date <laughs> uh, to try to like, uh, give the player an idea of what's happening based on what they're doing with their hands to try to lead them towards what the optimal way to play is to to get that maneuverability they're looking for, whether they want to go fast or or keep it slow for a segment or something like that. Um, and yeah, uh, tied to that, the the breaks that we have in the game uh, also have been sort of a interesting journey in figuring out what the optimal way to handle those are. Because uh, as you know, there's many different VR controllers and the buttons handle very differently on them. So through playtesting, we found that like different control configurations actually are a little more easy for, uh, say, the Rift controllers versus the the Vive wands. Um, I can dig into that more if you'd like. But <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that that makes sense because because or obvious things of like I don't think I was to talk about anything. I guess like even like if some down the road you had like PSVRs of two, like all those controllers are so different of like how they fit in oh, my yeah. hand. You're like <laughs> at a certain point, you're like what what like you'd. We always talk about like VR as a platform, but fundamentally, every VR headset, just even from what you're holding or seeing, is a different experience. Yep, absolutely. It's very like splintered right now, um, which is good because I mean, there's a lot of different experiences you can get out of different types of controllers. Um, but yeah, it's just an interesting like uh, thing I haven't had to d deal with in any uh, of the casual game development I've done previously prior to this. What what is Intriguing to me as looking through you guys' game and stuff too is that I, I want to talk about is this. So you guys are releasing into early access, and which is interesting to me because like, just the nature of platformers. I'm curious how to, how does that work in early access to you guys because of like to me a platform like certain things like live games in early access we all fundamentally understand, or right. builders we understand. I'm curious how like in a platformer do you guys what does that mean through early access and why. Yeah, so I think uh, a big portion of what led us to uh, go with early access uh, was, uh, 
like we have the game in a mostly finished state, but there's a lot of stuff that we wanted to add into it after the fact. Um, and a lot of it's uh, small polished things like, you know, adding in some more voice cues to the game so that the game has sort of a, a narrative going along with it rather than just a really lightly sprinkled thing put together. Um, but also uh, just some things that uh, we technically don't need to, to sort of release this to people, uh, but rather should have in the full version. So for example, uh, the cubes right now don't really do anything. And we'd like to uh, flush that out into uh, actually unlocking some interesting and useful like features in the game, um, which we don't exactly know what form that might take yet. But uh, yeah, I, I guess that is sort of a, an odd angle for how most people tend to do early access. Uh, but that's sort of how we got there. Yeah, we just wanted to make sure that we left ourselves enough room for uh, <clears throat> polishing the game after we got uh, feedback because we we are a an indie dev indie dev team. Uh, there, and uh, for a lot of us, this is the first like real scale video game that we have worked on, and we've been working at it for two years, and we we've, we've learned a ton. And um, some of the most that we've learned has come from taking the game out and playtesting it at various conventions and, and things around the, the state. And um, just hearing people uh, tell us what they think of the game and giving us ideas on, on how to better inter- and, you know, um, how to best convey how to get that, uh, the, how to grasp the physics of the game. Uh, Hello everyone. And welcome to a special edition of the SWW show. It's me, AJ. I'm here with Peter and all right, here we go. My time to shine. Is it Dusan? Yeah, Dusan. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> um, the other guy is behind Ministry of Broadcast, a game out on Steam. A, uh, a very interesting game in the sense that uh, it takes place in a reality show. But it's not exactly what it seems. <laughs> Um, I will say when, when I read the idea about it, I'm like, actually that idea could be a whole game because it reminds me of, I don't know if you ever played it, the, uh, what was it? Professor Genki's stuff in Saints Row. I believe it was Saints Row 3 and 4. They had like a reality TV show that you competed on. And I'm like, that is a really interesting idea for a game. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, we didn't play this one. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I ended up with Saints Row 2, so. Yeah. yeah. So now here we are with a game where it's a reality show. And uh, it, it looks really good. Um, it's It's got the, the right style. It's the. It's, I guess, in a a word pixel art but it's so much more than that it's not like true 8-bit where you've only got 8 colors you guys have many more colors than that um yeah but still limited color palette yeah (laughs) yeah you only have what probably uh, probably 8 on screen at a time but you have many more colors than that so no it's 8 total Oh, it's eight total? Yep. Oh, wow. Then you guys do some... And shades. I mean, of course, if yeah. you don't... You shades. Get the, you know, yeah. version of, of blue, but yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then, yeah, I, I've always just like, you would think somebody that has a background in TV could tell like, oh, that's the same color, just a different, uh, darkness value. Nope, you got me. Right, <laughs> <laughs> it's a reality show, so yeah. <laughs> anything is possible. I I couldn't tell that uh, the blues are pretty much all the same. It's just. Uh, light and dark probably um but we were quick talking before i started you guys uh really like how the game turned out especially uh how it plays so why don't you uh guys quick talk about that it's a very very cool looking game thank you um yeah, like was obviously your uh, the bio on it mentions 1984 and reality TV, but were like what other um, inspirations? I guess were there behind this? Beat two one two or. Yeah, sure, sure. So the story originally was inspired by building of the Berlin Wall. Everybody thinks it's Trump's wall. You are from US? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you thought it's about Trump? I, you know, <laughs> I th- there's a there's a uh, very distinct difference between the Berlin Wall and uh, Trump's wall in the fact that the Berlin Wall actually got built. It's <laughs> true, um, <laughs> but yeah. But when people hear about the wall, as, and if they are from US, they mostly think that oh, it's Trump's wall. And we are when you say something like this in Europe, people immediately think of Berlin's wall. So this was like the bi- biggest discrepancy we saw at the conferences. If it was European conference, everybody thought of Berlin. And in the U.S., people thought of Trump. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people were also talking about Brexit uh, because yeah. <laughs> the new thing. Wow, that's a uh, a much deeper uh, dive than I probably would have gone. <laughs> Going, <laughs> oh, the yeah, wall, yeah, the wall sure. must must be Brexit. That's uh, that's deeper thinking than I would have gone. I'm going. Oh, it's a wall, so it's either Berlin because they actually did something and built a wall, or it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, spray tan's idea of a, a mildly annoying fence. Yeah, <laughs> but basically, the, our idea was to create only the feeling we have, and everybody could, based on his own experience project what he thinks what the wall represents so as we said in each country it could be different wall and we didn't say that it's any specific we just created our own country and it's set in like in any time you know we don't say this is like from 80s from 90s yeah it's a uh, the idea of, of secluding people is uh, an idea that 
you can put in any time. Exactly, exactly. It's pretty much universal. So this was the first inspiration for the story. And there are many more inspirations like regarding the controls, which is the most controversial topic, uh, is, for example, Prince of Persia from 1989. Oh boy, that's the... Yeah, is this like... The original. You remember that. It's the original Prince of Persia. When you before you mentioned the year, I'm like, okay, Prince of Persia. That was on the PS one or two. <laughs> um, still before when I really got into games. So yeah, the '89 Prince of Persia uh, was six years before I was born. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> And there were more more games like this back then. Uh, the genre was called cinematic platformers, and among there them uh, there was a flashback or another world. Or we were inspired also by Odd World. Have you played any of those? Odd World. Okay, I've heard of it. I've played uh, <laughs> Abe's Odyssey. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So... You mean the new version or the original one? They just real they the, did well, real yeah. remaster. Yeah. What was it like five fun years ago? Yeah. Five it's six years ago. That one I've played. Yeah, yeah. So. But basically, the controls are kind of there is a, this delay between players' input and the main character's action, and we thought that this kind of reminds you of being the big brother you know who controls the uh, who controls the protagonist and you are giving him orders and there's delay uh it takes some time bef- before he takes the action and he might yes the protagonist has his own mind so yeah we it's, did that. it's the uh the rockstar technique of when you uh, do an input, the character takes forever to move. Uh, yeah. <laughs> from so this is, this oh, is the first time that somebody called it a rockstar. Man, rockstar what was the first game that they did that? And was it? It may have been Vice City. Okay, I think Vice City was the first one, that, at least that I can remember, where the character didn't immediately move. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it blew up in uh, Red Dead 2. Everybody's like, oh, it takes so long to move. I'm like, well, that's, you know. Yeah, and, and now imagine the same in platformer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and in some action sequences. <laughs> so, yeah, this was kind of, uh, yeah, as I was saying, it, this was controversial because people are used to having really really precise tight controls like celeste what celeste did you know yeah and this goes like in the opposite direction but and it makes the main character feel as it's really heavy he cannot do any double jumps or dash in the air or something like this he's kind of like real real person and from Oddworld, we also were inspired uh, regarding UI, because if you remember Apes Odyssey or Exodus, 
they had these scrolling screens fit into the levels. So we were trying to avoid having those out-of-the-place arrows that you can see in the games nowadays. They are just pointing in direction where you should go. We tried to build all those small hints into the levels as they were part of the arenas and a part of the environment. That's a uh, That idea is something that... Actually, it's, it's funny. The past three or four uh, developers that we've talked to have mentioned kind of getting back to that. We're not just going to give you, like, hey here's exactly what to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so exactly. it's it's kind of getting back to that idea of, okay, this, you ha- you still have to do something. You know, the, mm-hmm. you, you guys didn't make the game so it holds somebody's hand to get them from A to B. It's, mm-hmm, exactly. it's trial and error. It's figuring out, you know, okay, you have to do this and look yep. for this. Yeah, but mostly you can you can read the level, you know, literally. Like you you can see that there is a lever, a switch button that leads somewhere with a wire, and this wire is connected to the box. So if you press this button, press push the lever, that the box will drop on you, you know. But people will still be pressing those those buttons and be wondering why why they died. <laughs> and we try to we try to push them into getting slower and thinking, you know, what does this mean? And getting more immersed into the environment. Well, and I'm sure that the idea of the controls helps a lot because slowing it down, like if this was a Celeste or a, oh, what's the Dead Cells, where you're constantly moving, you're planning your next five moves mm-hmm. and you have to hit them like precisely with this where it's slower so you have a chance to look and see, oh, this says that, there's this lever. Instead of just like, okay, I need to get to point from point A to point B as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Since you slow mm-hmm. it down, it gives it gives people a chance to, okay, look, read the the term smell the roses <laughs> it gives it gives yeah. you a chance to you know kind of soak everything in instead of you know i i see videos of people playing like dead cells or spelunky or some of those other like kind of fast platformers and i'm like obviously they know exactly where to go but you know why in the in the back of my head, I'm going, okay. Well, then, why did the people spend so much time on the art? Because they know people are just flying through these levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are you are right about it. That's why we also thought that that it might be better to have the character walk by default. And if you want him to run, you need to press a button. You know, he's not running by default. He's walking. That's his default state. Yeah. Well, if if we're talking about be, it being you know a fairly realistic character, uh, who wants to run everywhere? Yeah, uh, new age gamers. That's who. <laughs> I I know uh, the vast majority of people, including myself, would just like to walk everywhere. Like, 
you know. Yes. We're not gonna uh, Naruto run uh, from point A to point B. I'm gonna take my time walking somewhere. So, yeah, it, as you were saying, this guy being realistic in the sense that he doesn't have a double jump. There's no dash. He, you know, there's li- the limitations of the character being a uh, real person instead of a video game character. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. Him just like, you know what? I don't want to run everywhere, so uh, you and I, we're going to have to make a compromise, so yeah, you're going to have to do <laughs> something for me to run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you literally sometimes need to push him to do something because the gameplay mechanics are basically based on uh, sacrificing and hurting others. And we wanted for the player to feel feel it, you know, that the person who's doing those decisions is the player and he's pushing the main character to do this. And because nowadays in most of the games you have those Goombas, you just jump on their heads and they yeah. vanish, you know, and poof, they are gone. And you don't think, hey, what if Goomba had a family? <laughs> So we thought, like, what if we had just a limited number of NPCs that would keep reappearing in the game and they would react on your behavior? Because you have your own agenda. Everybody has their own agenda. You, all of you, want to get to the other side of the wall. You all have your own motivations, but your own personal motivation is more important for you. But how far are you willing to go that's the the next Mario game that we're gonna get. Is uh, <laughs> it, it, it's no longer uh, Mario the main character. It's Goomba, you know, number five thousand three hundred and forty-two, <laughs> and it's just his daily life. <laughs> like it's it's gonna be the uh, the city level from uh, Odyssey, and the Goomba just walking around. Yeah. <laughs> You can see him waking up in the morning, <laughs> brushing his teeth. Time to go to work. <laughs> Kisses the wife and yeah. goes. Goes uh, and just walks back and forth. And then all of a sudden, there's just <laughs> this uh, incredibly short uh, Italian-American plumber uh, <laughs> dressed in red with overalls and just jumps on his head. Yeah. So Mario will be the villain in this part. <laughs> there, there's somebody's. Uh, we just pitched somebody's, somebody's game. So yeah, so, somebody... I can imagine it will be produced in China tomorrow. So. <laughs> well, maybe not right now, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe later in the year. <laughs> but you you can see how indie games basically evolved yeah. from these games that uh, were supposed just to be fun, you know, for the players. And more and more of the games are talking about deeper topics where it's uh, politics or recently you could see the batch of games uh, talking about mental illnesses. So it has totally changed. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see, like, it's not just 
games, it's, you know, indie music, it's indie TV, it's indie movies. The work, you know, indie games, they're all talking about kind of the same, or they're tackling the same ideas. They're tackling mental illness, they're tackling, you know, uh, non-binary people in mm-hmm. relationships. And, like, it's just stuff that AAA, you know, mainstream, whatever you want to call it, uh, media just doesn't tackle because it's seen as, you know, divisive or it's seen as controversial. Yeah, it's it's super risky to do this because, you know, if you have tons of employees, you need to feed them, you know, you need to pay them and you cannot risk. You just need to do what's, you know, you need to do what will please the mainstream audience and like expressing some strong message will, will not or is is very risky to do so we kind of got this power because we are a small team this is this was one of our first games so we got the power to take our chances and do whatever we wanted you know we had like complete creative freedom even though we had two publishers they were fine with whatever we were doing yeah you don't have a uh, conglomerate above you that is answering to shareholders and mm-hmm. you know then you know playing stock markets where like you know you're probably i mean i'm not going to say you won't see but you're probably not going to see a game tackling um, like mental health in a serious way from a Sony or a, a Microsoft studio right now because that's still kind of a it's still a touchy subject mm-hmm. which in a weird way it shouldn't be like it's it's something that luckily pe- more and more people are talking about and it's becoming this it's coming, becoming less uh, um, kind of taboo to talk about. It's becoming, you know, hey, we need to talk about this because it's a serious issue, especially here in the U.S., and I'm sure it is all across the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what we basically noticed is, like, even if those companies join these kind of conversations, they're trying to tuck you in in this uh, idea of, it's normal, you know, it's like normal to be depressed. It's normal to uh, be part of, you know, this kind of society with, with problems instead of really focusing on solving those problems and trying to figure out what is the source of uh, those problems, you know, because it's not normal to be depre- uh, depressed. You know, the, you're depressed because of something and something is happening to you, whether it's like, uh, you know, corporate banality or... Uh, I don't know, like uh, nine to nine to five hours, which extends to eight in the evening or doing two jobs. But, you know, like all these companies that you said, like are called by uh, shareholders and for them, this is topic that they can exploit and still don't talk about the real issues and real problems behind. And I think that even when they're talking about it, it hurts more than not talking about it. If you know what I mean. Yeah, because the message gets lost 
Yes. When 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 uh, a major corporation talks about it, like for instance, uh, when shoot, what was the name of the? Um, it's gonna bug me now. There was a. I mean, like in a weird way, uh, the TV show Mr. Robot. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Like it, mm-hmm. it kind of tackles that the multiple personalities and the depression one can face and it airs on USA, but you could see it like it toned down a lot of kind of what made it special in the first season in the second and third, because you could feel uh, NBC universal telling USA like, Hey, we like the idea of the show, but you guys need to chill it on this dude's got multiple personalities and that's his driving factor because that's just something people aren't comfortable talking about. Yes. And then yeah. and then they get to the fourth season and it's much more of um kind of what it started with and unfortunately I haven't finished season four, but it's on my it's on my to do list. It totally reminds me Black Mirror. If you saw if you saw one of the first seasons, it was really dark, this like Euro- European bad ending TV show. And the fourth and fifth season that is on Netflix, it turned into this happy Disney kind of show where there is Miley Cyrus on one of those on, on one of the episodes <laughs> and it's like complete bullshit now. Yeah, I And this I, is I remember thing. like yeah. Yeah. I remember Black Mirror it started as like a it wasn't BBC, it was I think it was BBC. ITV? Yeah, it's okay. Or was it mm-hmm. or was it BBC? And I mean, yeah. it, it was it was a British channel conglomerate. Yeah. Um and then, like, so obviously they tackled a lot of this, the news stories that happened. Channel 4. Channel 4. That yeah. happened to, you know, the UK and to Europe. And then they bring it to the States and Netflix, you know, takes it over. And like you said, it kind of went to this, it went from the, like, hey, we're going to talk about the first episode is incredibly dark and graphic and then we get to this like weird sci-fi black and white robo dogs Mm -hmm. like anthology episodes not hurting anyone I know yeah Yeah. but the last season was like I couldn't watch it like it was totally different show like watch, watching TV, like Disney Channel. Not that I'm watching this, but... <laughs> you know, but after 10 in the evening, like... Uh, when... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really dark. Yes. <laughs> Disney Channel after dark takes on a whole new meeting. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember there was this Baywatch uh, nights or something like this, and, and it felt completely like this. You know, it's still a Baywatch, but during nights, so... <laughs> <laughs> So the encounter, I remember some vampires or something. It was terrible. 
<laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we have the similar thing with the ministry. I mean, uh, because you know, we we were thinking we we're talking about this regime and uh, the game and, and 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 everything that you need to you know that you're forced to compete in this kind of show and reality show that uh, government is organizing and. And we were talking a lot whether we should have some, you know, expected ending or how it should end. And uh, the more we talked about it, the more we felt that this cannot have an ending. I mean, it should have endings, but not satisfactory ones, because mm-hmm. the only way how to win this kind of reality is not participating in 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 these kind of games. And we wanted to 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 turn this. Uh, even in the storytelling that uh, you are part of this show and the more you play the more meaningless it becomes you know like uh, that kind of you're losing plot Uh, why are you here and what is your goal and is your goal to win or is your goal to escape or what is expected from you and that's that's kind of feeling we wanted to uh, underline and then when we went to different you know audiences uh, in Europe, people kind of reacted positively, mainly positively. But then, for example, you have this other uh, part where, you know, the young younger generations that got used to this uh, producers uh, being the main guys in the uh, art making. And they expect you to have, you know, happy endings or, I don't know, guns blazing, uh, bomb <laughs> <laughs> destroying of the wall and regime and everything. <laughs> even we were we were conflicted uh what we should do like what is the 21st century take on this story you know i will say i'm glad you guys went with the uh the you stuck with the the realism in the sense that if this were to truly happen there's a you know if there was truly a game show in which you had to escape, like, there's no happy ending. There's yeah. no, like, it's either the guy dies, the guy escapes, or he's just completely changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, that would have, that would be the ending. <laughs> now you're spoiled the endings, too. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it's not. Yeah. I mean,. In a weird way, like the the perfect ending to this would be, you just it just stops. Yeah, like it just it it fades to black with the character walking, <laughs> still walking, and it's it's up to you to decide: does he get to the wall? Does he escape? Does he, you know, if he yeah, escapes, will his family take him back? Like. We wanted to give this kind of uh, feel to the players where, uh, because, you know, they're playing the games and they're playing this game and they're participating in in kind of reality show that uh, it's happening every day on Steam where, you know, like you have, uh, I don't know, like 400 games per day published. And, uh, you know, we wanted to have that you, you are in control, you have controller, you don't need to play our game, you know. You don't need to participate in this, uh, but still, you know, like somehow we felt that uh, that people want to have 
catharsis at the end, you know, that this is not enough that they're in control, that that's not the catharsis enough, that they, um, they still want to hear nice stories and to identify with the characters and they want to hear happy ending, I guess. Because, you know, like, like you said, the, there is no ending and you can turn off the game in any time and that's the ending for you. But uh, I still think that, <laughs> that because of everything that we uh, talked now today, like about this uh, cultural changes and, and stuff and not talking about the issues and everything and being constantly politically correct, you still expect that good will prevail and somebody will just tell this story. Yeah, I'll I'll say this as kind of a, a closing to this in terms of the a story that you don't get the end. To me, is honest like the best example of this is a game that is highly regarded for its story. It's The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Like that game ends on an open ending. Yes, that's true. But even their ending was really controversial one. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of people were like, you know, it got people talking. Yes, like like controversy is good to. It's you know what's the saying? Any news is is like any press is good press, right? When you're talking about something that you're releasing, because even if it's bad, it's still getting people talking about you talking about your game. It'll get people to check it out in a weird way. It's how Donald Trump became a president. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was just controversial enough that people started to look at him and started to, you know, he started to take over the airwaves. And now we're four years into this experiment. And, <laughs> and, uh, well, you have another chance soon. So. Well, I'll put it this way. It doesn't look good. <laughs> Um, if only there is button like press R to restart (laughs) try again try again (laughs) yeah can can we just hit the fail screen please and restart from last (laughs) checkpoint (laughs) but honestly we feel the same in the Czech Republic and I talked to the guys from UK and they also talked like Hey, we have Brexit coming soon, you know, so everybody <laughs> can say something about his own country. Yeah, I think the entire world just wants to be like, okay, like we just need to hit re- reload from last checkpoint. Let's hop back yeah. a little bit, try this all over again. Yeah, we need to hit the low bottom, you know, to to realize how good basically the the life at the moment is. Yeah, <laughs> you know that the political correctness is the only issue, basically you have. Yeah, in a weird way. So, well, uh, everybody can go check out Ministry of Broadcast on Steam. It's fifteen dollars. Uh, or if you're here in the states, that's uh, three visits to Starbucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's become my. Uh, my my plea to people listening is like, hey, just don't go to Starbucks for like however many times. Yeah, uh, maybe we can we can create like three different sizes of games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> or just put the codes on Starbucks cups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's not the, you know, bad marketing thing. Can, can I order a Ministry of Broadcast in a venti? Yeah. Uh, okay. Can I get that with skim and uh, stevia instead of real sugar? You know, make oh, your own man. game. That, that, that's actually a nice, uh, <laughs> nice concept for the next one. There. Know, choose elements. You want to have narrative or you want to have Super Mario plot. We're we're, pitch, we're pitching everything today. We've pitched uh, the next Mario game being just uh, Goomba. F- what was it like five thousand three hundred and forty-two? Yes. Uh, just his life, and now it's uh, sell your game based on Starbucks. <laughs> yes. uh, different sizes, different options. There you go. And this, this, the sad like part is Columbia, or you know, yeah. like, uh, the, the, the sad <laughs> part is somebody will take those two ideas. And make a ton of money. <laughs> so if some publisher is listening, like yeah. Devolver, come to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go to go to the guys that made Ministry of Broadcast. Go to them. Talk to them. They they have the ideas. Uh, so uh, Ubisoft or uh, THQ, whatever their subtitle is now. Um, I think it's still Nordic. Yeah. Or did they finally sure. drop Nordic? I don't know. <laughs> Today in THQ. Um Yeah, guys, thanks for uh thanks for coming on. Uh thanks was, for having us. Yeah, it was good to talk to you guys. Um again, Ministry of Broadcast out on Steam now. Is it uh are there plans for it to make a uh journey to either Switch or uh, PS4 yes. or Xbox? Yeah, we're going uh, We're going to be on Switch uh, during April and at the moment you can pre-order even the, the physical release uh, boxes in Steelbox and Classical. I think the pre-orders are only for Steelboxes and they're sexy as hell. That's awesome that you guys are doing Steelboxes. Those were like those were my jam back in like the PS3 era i got like every game that i wanted i paid the extra like 15 or 20 dollars just to get the steel book steel box and i've got like six or seven of them and then they kind of went away but now they're they're making a comeback yeah people like them and we do as well yeah so yeah go check it out you can pre-order it for switch um it's on pc it's on steam Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast was a product of the SWW Show. You can find more at the SWWShow.com or Facebook.com slash the SWW Store or Twitter.com slash SWW. You can find out more about Mike at Mikey underscore Maroney on Twitter and more about AJ at Locevore on Twitter. Remember, new episodes come out twice a month one focusing on the new entertainment news, and one focusing on movie club, so new and an old movie. You can find out more again at the SWWshow.com, and you can find the show on podcast services around the globe.